When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is the happy hour. You guys want a happy hour? Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America. Yeah, I'll maybe I'll come for a couple. Here are your hosts, Nick Sainert. I want to know what it's like to commit a crime without having to spend time in jail. And Enrique Alvarez Cleary. C is for chunk. Brought to you by Empire Fence and Netting on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome in. Happy Tuesday. This is the happy hour. 93.7 The Ticket. TheTicketFM.com. Nick Sainert and Rico joining you guys as usual. Hello, Rico. Hello. How's the day? So far, so good. It's a steamy one out there. It is. But it is warm. Okay. I have to be careful how I say this. First off, I appreciate everybody that does work outdoors. Yes, And absolutely. has to deal with this heat and somehow makes it through your entire day, day after day, dealing with this heat. Mm-hmm. There should be a reprieve Thursday, and by a reprieve, I mean like 91 degrees. Um, I appreciate you. Um, but it's super cold in this office, and I need to like walk outside every once in a while just to warm up. I'm not complaining. Yeah. I'm not you know, trying to say you know, whatever you believe that I'm trying to say, but I'm just, it's super cold in this office. Um, okay. Well, now's the time to do it. Go ahead and play the breaking news sounder here, Rico. Oh, Go ahead and uh, play the breaking news sounder. It. 402-464-5685, the Honda Lincoln Hotline, and the Starter Heyman text line are both open for you guys, as well as on the Starter Heyman Jewelers Live video stream, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. Now, this is a pretty surprising move, I think. Um, there is a University Board of Trustees meeting going on in Columbus, Ohio right now, and the main person that's uh, being featured is current former Nebraska president Ted Carter. Ted Carter is going to be taking the job as the new president at the University of Ohio State. And so Nebraska will be looking for a new president uh, here in the coming months. Uh, Once again, there's a live board of trustees meeting going on right now. And as you can do with everything now, whether it's board of trustees, board of regents, anything like that, you can stream it live. And sure enough, when you bring up the stream, Ted Carter is right there. So Ted Carter going to be the new president at the Ohio State University, leaving Nebraska after just being hired in, tw- in 2020, 2020, January 1st, 2020. 
uh, is when uh, Ted Carter took over the helmet, Nebraska. This is a big deal. This is a really big deal. Um, you remember he was he was pretty involved with uh, athletics quite a bit, right? So if we want to keep it, um, it Ted, Ted Carter involved heavily in canceling or resuming football in during the the COVID pandemic. He was instrumental, obviously, in, in the handling of Scott Frost and a lot of athletic decisions. Um, also instrumental in bringing Matt Rule to Nebraska. Uh, obviously having those East Coast connections in, an, in, a, in a way. I mean, Matt Rule mentions him by name during yeah. his opening press conference talking about why he came – a big reason why he came to Nebraska was because of Ted Carter. But once again, unfortunately, Ted Carter going to Ohio State – and will be the new president for the the University of Ohio, of Ohio State. Um, also big on funding. He he was really really uh, involved with funding for higher education um, on both sides of politics. So you know Republicans, Democrats, things like that. Uh, incredibly instrumental in being able to to persuade them into invest into higher education and therefore the University of Nebraska. So did a lot for UNL more, but more specifically did a lot for UNK, Omaha, the the other branches, Wayne State, the other branches of the University of Nebraska uh, outside of just University of Nebraska Lincoln. When he came in studio here, I believe DP had him in here a couple years ago, if not just last year, and uh, it was it was he he made that a very uh, important goal of his to to be involved in in funding for higher education and things like that. So Ted Carter. Um, one of his first tasks while at the University of Ohio State will be to replace legendary athletic director Gene Smith. Um, so he'll be involved in that process you know, quite a bit as well. Um, he received a $144,000 bonus as well um, after raising about $3 million from a private fund. And so Ted Carter... Uh, just after a few short years in, in Lincoln, decides to take the president's job at the Ohio State University. That's what happens when you're good at your job. You get a uh, promotion. I'm not saying yeah. that Ohio. Actually, yeah, I am saying that Ohio State. But um, yeah, it's gonna. It, it. I don't know all of the presidential duties that Ted Carter has to has to do for the University of Nebraska and now for the University of Ohio or for Ohio State University. It's not the university for Ohio State University. Um, but as Nick said, it's going to be a big blow losing somebody who is so instrumental in mm -hmm. multiple different facets um, at the university level and was just widely respected uh, across the nation for his naval accomplishments and for being yeah. a uh, Top Gun pilot. Yeah, really, really fascinating resume uh, Ted Carter has. Um, once again, just to remind you, so this is what Matt Rule said in, in a speech that he was giving uh, back in the spring um, he said, quote, if Ted Carter's there, you should go work for him. Don't be stupid. Go work for the Admiral. Um, so there's Ted Carter, uh, once again, being a main one of the primary reasons why Matt Rule took this job. That's awkward. So now Ted Carter moves on, goes to Ohio State, and Nebraska's looking for another uh, president here. Um, so this is also this comes from some various reporters who who are just bringing out uh, quotes about Ted Carter and things like that. Um, Trev Alberts said this about Ted two weeks ago. 
Quote, Ted's been here longer. It's easier for him to spend the time on athletics right now than it would be for Chancellor Dr. Bennett. It doesn't mean that Dr. Bennett is not capable of doing it. It's just that he's new. Um, once again, because the president of Nebraska, this Board of Regents, uh, uh, decided to sh- you know send some of the athletic decision-making power, if not all of it, over to the president, where previously it was a lot of the chancellor as well. Uh, Ronnie Green moves on. Dr. Bennett from Southern Miss comes into Nebraska. And Ted Carter was given a lot of the, the a lot of the power in athletic decisions. So does this go back down to Dr. Bennett now? Potentially, where does the power go? Does it stay with the new president? Um, more just from the live stream and from the video of the Board of Trustees meeting in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, president Ted Carter will be begin at Ohio State on January first. Oh, so he's got to finish um, out his so presidential he's, duties. He's going to he's going to finish him out here in the throughout the rest of the year and then take the job. Um, on January 1st. So, and, and Ohio State was uh, targeting, there obviously multiple names, targeting all of them were sitting presidents. So they were going to poach somebody That's, from somebody, look, somewhere. When you are as talented as Ohio State is in everything, and when you have as much pull as Ohio State does around the nation, you could pull somebody else as president. Mm-hmm. You can do things like that. So, yeah, yeah and it's going to suck to lose Ted Carter, but wish him all the best uh, in January once he leaves the University of Nebraska and heads over to Ohio State. Yep. So, t- once again, Ted Just Carter. Just letting you know that Columbus isn't as cool as Lincoln. I just... Oh, yeah? Have, I, you, have I, you been to Columbus? I've never been to Columbus. Anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, so Ted Carter going to be uh, the new president at The Ohio State University. And uh, he'll finish out the rest of the, the the calendar year while at Nebraska, and then take over in Columbus on January first, twenty twenty four. Once again, four zero two four six four five six eight five, the Honda Lincoln Hotline, the Starter Heyman Text Line. Uh, both those open for you guys the entire show today, uh, as well as the Starter Heyman Jewelers live video stream, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Allo Channel nine fifty one are all available and at your uh, at your disposal. For uh, to, to get in touch with the show. Words are hard. Let's talk about this. Now, moving on to Husker football specifically, I'm sure there will be more thoughts as, as news and, and as headlines become available from Ted Carter's situation, but let's move on to Husker football because Marcus Satterfield spoke to the media today and said something along the lines of how Jeff Sims has been completing about 65% of his passes in Nebraska's fall practices and one of his goals, obviously, as there probably is for every single quarterback, is to limit turnovers and up the completion percentage for their their season statistics. Now, uh, Jeff Sims' high in completion percentage through three seasons at Georgia Tech was back in 2021 where he completed 60.1% of his passes. Otherwise, in 2022, he completed 58%, and in 2020, completed 54.9% of his passes. Whew. Low. That's not great. Those are low, That's low numbers. Not, uh, not what you're looking for in a, in, in a quarterback. Somebody who's going to be toting the rock for you quite a bit. So then I wanted to go, all right, well, we always talk about in the Big Ten, it's a run-first conference, right? Run the ball and, and find you know have a good offensive line, have a good running back, and you're going to find yourselves in a lot of close games. Power football That's in the true. Snow. But then obviously the quarterback's pretty important as well. So what I wanted to do is go through every single quarterback of last year that bit the, was in the Big Ten for okay. each school, each starter, I should say, okay, and see, all right, what's their completion percentage and how does it translate to wins? Now, did you look at how many passes they attempted? Yes. All of them are, 
like over 250 passes. Okay. So good sample size. Okay. Um, other than Spencer Petras, which understandable. Well, they just didn't pass. They just didn't pass. So we'll start with Spencer Petras. Okay. Iowa finishes 8-5 and five last year, and Petras completes 55.9% of his passes. And... One thing, yeah. one thing we're gonna we're gonna revisit quite a bit in this conversation is that benchmark of eight wins. Okay, because there's a correlation here. Eight wins and the percentage of passes. Completed. Yes, there's a correlation. I feel like there was also a 55 percent pass completion for the opposing quarterbacks to Iowa's defense. Potentially, because so, Iowa's defense was so good, they were very good. Now, so let's look at this. This the teams that did get over eight wins. Okay. Iowa was one of them. They're the somewhat the anomaly anomaly to where Spencer Peters completes fifty five point nine percent of his passes. They're just different. They don't count. So obviously, you have your two up at the top: Ohio State and, and Michigan. And you you'll find out that a lot of these teams are Big East teams, which doesn't make you necessarily feel the best as a Husker fan because once again, it's a lot of missed opportunities that Nebraska somewhat had. Ohio State, C.J. Stroud, they finish 11-2. and two. Stroud completes 68% of his passes last year. Only 68? That's impressive. Only, only 68. Oh, that's, that's, that's surprising. It felt like he completed like 90%. J.J. McCarthy, 13-1 and one for Michigan, uh-huh. completes 65% of his passes. Okay. They ran the ball a lot. Yep. A lot of Blake Corum. They did. And, and Donovan Edwards mm-hmm. towards the end of the year. Penn State sneakily had an 11-2 season. It's, a, it's weird to say that's a down year yeah. for Penn State. So sneak, uh, sneaky as they were, Penn State had an 11-2 and two season, and Sean Clifford was their majority of their starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. Still completed sixty six percent of his passes. You know, based on what you hear from Penn State fans about Sean Clifford, don't like him. I, I would have thought that it would have been fifty five. Yeah, I thought that he was somewhere around well, Spencer Peters. And also, to be fair, Nebraska necessarily hasn't had a whole lot of difficulty stopping. Sean Clifford, it's been Nebraska trying to figure out what they want to do on offense. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't forget also that two years ago, or no, excuse me, during the COVID season when Nebraska did play Penn State, that was one of Nebraska's wins, and they actually, actually knocked Sean Clifford out of the game. He ended up getting benched, and Will Levis came into the game. Yes. Nebraska beats Will Levis. Will Levis almost, almost brought them back. But that was running Will Levis. That, that was, was before Will, Will yes. Levis that knew how to pass a football. That was running Will Levis, and that was pre-Kentucky yeah, Will then Levis. Then he transfers to Kentucky, and all of a sudden he knows how to pass the ball. Yes. Only to Wondell Robinson. <laughs> now, well, and, and can't blame him there, so we saw how, how good he can be used, or how well Wondell could be used in, in that Kentucky offense. Crazy. Now, in addition, so those are the those are the double-digit win teams, okay? Maryland went 8-5. and five. Purdue went eight and six, Illinois went eight and five, and Minnesota went nine and four. All of their quarterbacks completed over sixty-seven percent. I should say over sixty-five percent yeah. of their passes, right? Since that's the benchmark. Okay, and that's obviously Tanner Morgan at Minnesota, Aiden O'Connell at Purdue, Tommy DeVito at Illinois, and Talia Tunga Viola at Maryland. Okay, okay. Now, the teams that did not have eight wins had fewer than eight wins. Michigan State, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Northwestern, Indiana, and Rutgers. All of their quarterbacks completed fewer than 65% of passes. Hmm. To, if we, to even go fine-tune it a little bit more, completed less than 63% of their passes. And there's one guy on the list that completed 63% of his passes. And that was Casey Thompson. Casey Thompson in Nebraska, who finished four and eight, 
completed 63% of his passes. So if you two more percentage points. Eight wins. Huh. And that's not necessarily what we're getting at. But it's close. More more specifically, it's you you see maybe why 65% is somewhat of an interesting number and maybe this is a conversation 9 days ahead of the season. If you want some Kool-Aid, here you go because if Jeff Sims has been able to boost his completion percentage and in turns excuse me in turn if the completion percentage is up turnovers are more than likely going to be down mm-hmm. and those are the two biggest issues for Jeff Sims is that he's not been able to ha- ha- hang on to the ball whether that's running or throwing and he hasn't completed a high percentage uh, percentage of his passes when he is throwing to his teammates accuracy and ball security were the main concerns of Jeff Sims coming out of Georgia Tech and if things are turning around and looking good in practice as we are being told by Satterfield and Rule then maybe, as Nick's numbers are kind of pointing out, if you can complete 65% or better than in your in your passing game, you usually finish with a winning record outside of an Iowa with a you know otherworldly yeah. defense um, and who really doesn't like passing the ball regardless. Uh, 65% is usually a, a solid enough number to get you a winning record. So, again, if he can hold on to the ball, which completing that amount of passes usually would, would suggest that, you've got yourself a solid offense. Now, that's going to come around to exactly. a lot of different things, not just Jeff Sims' arm and accuracy, but does he have time in the pocket? Does he have to roll out and make throws on the run? Is the running game you know, being a nice complement to the passing game? What wide receivers do you have? Are, are your, your elder statesmen at wide receiver healthy? Are you running with a lot of freshmen who maybe run the wrong routes? Are you using your utilizing your tight ends? Are your tight ends injured? Who do you who do you have lining up there? There's so many different things that go into that completion percentage. But even then, after everything is said and done, all we're gonna do is look at those numbers after that season and say, did he complete sixty five percent of his passes? Well and so, you know, as Rico alluded to, and he's absolutely right, there's a lot more that goes into this. Um, and we can pair this with the running back conversation, right? Gabe Irvin now is, is according to, once again, Satterfield said it today that Anthony Grant's just fumbling way too much. Uh, so with that in mind, Gabe Irvin's number one, Anthony Grant's probably number two, and then Ramir Johnson's number three in some capacity. But Ramir's the third down back. You figure out a way to use them all, right? And so we find ourselves having this conversation again, and that's going to take a lot of the pressure off of Jeff Sims. If you can have somewhat of a conventional running game, then that turns into a traditional play-action attack uh, where maybe you get some tight ends involved. Maybe you get some running backs out of the backfield involved. And no bubble screens, right? Like, like things like that. Hey, bubble screens are fine. Those those high percentage, you know, conversion plays. Um, something that can not only get you three, four, five yards per play, but also give your quarterback and your entire offense somewhat of a rhythm and some confidence going forward. Then then maybe we're going to get somewhere as Nebraska fans and as a you know Nebraska as a program. But I thought that was interesting. We heard the, the number of 65% today in, in Marcus Satterfield's conversation with media. And so I wanted to look in that everybody above eight wins or more, their quarterbacks, quarterback play is important, mm-hmm. their quarterbacks completed over 65% of their passes in 2022, while not a single quarterback that had a team that, fi- that led a team that finished with fewer than eight wins passed for over 63%, and Nebraska actually had the highest with Casey Thompson back in 2022. So just something to kind of keep at the back of our mind as we go forward. Nebraska, though, um, nine days away from kicking things off. 
One thing that is eight days away from kicking off or from getting rolling. Getting their, their fourth game, the most important their game. Their fourth they game. are three sleeps? Three sleeps. Friday, yep. Yep. Three sleeps. Husker Volleyball. And so we talked about a lot about the, the red-white scrimmage yesterday that took place on Saturday, but um, we're going to get some more information on it as we'll be joined by Lincoln Arneal of Huskers Illustrated to kind of break down what he saw in the red-white scrimmage, what the projection of, of lineups are, is going to be for Husker Volleyball and John Cook, and uh, just kind of what our thoughts are on going into the season that has a team that has zero seniors on it, but a lot, a lot of talent and a lot, a lot of competitiveness um, so we'll talk about that and more. Lincoln Arneal of Huskers Illustrated joins us in studio as we talk Husker volleyball. They will have volleyball day in Nebraska next Wednesday. Um, and so weather looks okay for the time being. So let's just hope, cross our fingers, and uh, pray that it stays that way as the Huskers will face Omaha on that day. Wayne State and UNK will play earlier in the afternoon and or afternoon, and then all followed up by the one and only Scotty McCreary. That's not important. Scotty McCreary, <laughs> Memorial Stadium, next Wednesday night. Let's take a break. Lincoln Arneal joins us next. Follow Nick and Enrique on Twitter at Nick underscore Sainert and at Radio Rico AC. More of Happy Hour is next on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.